What's up, y'all? It's Zach. We live in corporate. Look, I'm so appreciative of the content that we create day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year for the past five plus years. Yo, it's been a journey. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been rocking with us. If you didn't know, I'm going to tell you right now, we exist to center and amplify black and brown folks at work. And we do that by having really frank, authentic conversations. Think about like the conversations you have with a friend or a colleague or a mentor or aspiring mentor or mentee over drinks or coffee or whatever. It's when you're really having those real conversations about career and life and navigating the workplace. I was not privileged to have a ton of those conversations, but but the five that I did <laughs> really blessed me. Now I'm playing. I had more than five. I mean, come on. I've been working for a while, so I've had more than five. It feels like I've had like I feel like I can count the really authentic conversations though on one hand. And I just remember years ago thinking about what does it look like to bottle that up and make it accessible to thousands of people because everyone doesn't isn't privileged to have someone that looks like you pull you aside over coffee or just on the side and give you the real talk. And that's what Living Corporate is all about. Yes, you're listening to the flagship show, but Living Corporate is a network of shows and everything that we do is based around authentically centering and amplifying historically marginalized voices at work by investigating, interrogating the systems and imagining a better, more equitable place to work. Yes, we fall into the diversity, equity, inclusion space, but we don't really use that language like that because a lot of that has been co-opted, watered down and centered around people that don't really need it. We're trying to have authentic conversations every single day that center and amplify the people that actually need to be centered and amplified, which are black and brown people, black and brown women, black and brown queer folks, black and brown trans folks, black and brown non-binary folks, black and brown disabled folks, black and brown first generation people, right? Black and brown folks, period, right? That's what we're trying to do. And so thank you so much. I'm excited about the conversation you're about to listen to. We'll be right back. Shifarar Cabrillé, welcome to the show. How you doing? Happy to be here. I'm doing well, thank you. Now look, we just talked about this off mic. Your name is incredible. Can you share the story behind it and its meaning? Sure. So I was born in Ethiopia, um, which is in East Africa, for those who don't know. Um, so that's an Ethiopian name. I wouldn't say common one, but that is where it's from. The actual meaning, it's kind of funny. It's if The literal meaning is feared by a thousand. So that's what <laughs> Shifarau actually means. That's but, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Most people know me with, it's kind of like my nickname is like the shortened version, which is Shifay. Yeah. That's incredible. Ah, uh, feared by a thousand. That's dope. Yeah. And, and, then, and then what does your last name mean? Cabrie? Actually, I don't know if that has a meaning. I don't think that has a meaning, just my first one. Not that I know of, at least. <laughs> received, received. Now, look, you've been in the pharmaceutical industry for over, for like, for 20 years. Like, why yeah, this space? Years. Well, you know, I am, I have my doctorate in pharmacy, so I'm a healthcare professional. I worked in a hospital in, in the beginning of my career um, for, for about a year, and then I came, got into pharma, but then... I kind of dubbed, dubbed them both. I did per diem in, in, in a hospital as well. But, you know, the end of the day, I'm a healthcare professional here to help 
people to 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 save lives um, as a healthcare professional. And I think pharma has a good way to do that, and there's many different opportunities to do that within the pharmaceutical company. So that's how I ended up in Pfizer. It also has you have ability to develop in different areas working in in in, in pharma, which is actually kind of what has happened to me throughout my years here as well. Yeah, I mean it's incredible. You think about like the the the, the role that medicine plays. Um, in all of our lives every day, even in the ways that we don't necessarily consider it. Um, they're powerful, incredibly powerful. You know, uh, look, look, you're the VP, uh, Regulatory Quality Assurance, Head of Inspection Management and PB Reg Medical Audit at Pfizer. <laughs> Can we talk about what your work entails day to day? Sure. So, you know, I kind of have like, a team that kind of does two things. So when I, let me talk about my inspection management part of it. So regulatory quality assurance sits under corporate compliance. Um, and my inspection management team, what we do is we manage, we're kind of the face of Pfizer for all regulatory agencies around the world. So for the US, the US FDA, that most people know, and then all the counterparts around the world that we, you know, sell and market our products in uh, or do research in. And we get inspected constantly around the world on our clinical trials, on our safety pharmacovigilance policies to make sure that the products we do have on the market are actually safe and we're we're constantly monitoring the safety of our products. Again, like I said, our clinical trials and our preclinical. So I have a team, when we get inspected, my team is a face with the inspectors, kind of managing the inspection, bringing in all the SMEs from Pfizer, from different departments uh, to ensure the regulators, the inspectors are getting what they need. And also at the same time, you know, kind of protecting Pfizer, making sure that, you know, that we have a successful inspection. And then on the other hand, my pharmacovigilance regulatory medical um, audit is I have an internal audit group and external that we look at our processes for pharmacovigilance and regulatory and medical to make sure we have robust processes. There's a lot of regulations around the world that govern these areas and how things should be done. And then we have our kind of SOPs and processes that are, you know, in Pfizer that everybody should follow. So we go we'll do internal audits to make sure we are following them and we're being compliant. Or, and that's the expectations of the regulatory agencies around the world. So, And then we have sometimes third parties that we have working on our behalf, like vendors, that should be following our processes as well. So we audit them to make sure they're doing the right thing as well. You know, so, so much of that um, comes down like just to accountability and transparency, um, I, I would imagine. Um, and so I'm curious, like, what does it look like you know, I'm sure like there there might be moments where you're having challenging conversations and or just like reinforcing standards, uh, Pfizer standards with like across the board, like as you're as you're working across like the lattice of this, this global organization. What does that really look like for you, and what role do you play in that? Well, you know, it, it's it's if we see gaps, you know, we're all human. Thing mistakes happen, and you know, even regulators, you know, I've sit in front of many inspectors know that and and 
you know, it's the identification of any gaps that you may have and then remediating it in a timely manner. So, you know, working with the businesses, the different groups at Pfizer is helping them. There is an issue, okay, really getting to the root cause, what's causing this, and then putting the right corrective and preventative action so that you can correct the issue and then prevent it from happening again in the future. Um, you know, so it's kind of working with the business, making sure, you know, your voice is heard, helping them navigate through that. And even when regulators come in, again, everything is perfect it's always suspicious because <laughs> nothing in life is perfect right so it's you know in our day-to-day lives there's things that you always have to you learn from and you correct and move on and try and do better next time that's what we have to continually doing so just kind of reinforcing that and making sure we have that quality culture kind of built in the dna of the people working at pfizer to make sure that you know we're always try- striving to do the right thing and things are not perfect, then what can we do to improve it? And that, you know, keeping that mindset. At the end of the day, all of us, our families, our friends, our loved ones, our medicine, we want safe and effective medicines out there as well. So, you know, you keep that as your end goal, then, you know, you're doing the right thing. Make sure you do the right thing to get there. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, you're, you're a black man in a very senior position at a globally known brand. I also honor and respect the fact that you are Ethiopian. Um, so you're bringing, you know, you're bringing uh, your own culture, lived experience, and perspective as you lead cross-functional teams that do work that saves lives. I'm curious. Like, my first question was like, what three points of advice would you give for organizations looking to attract, retain, and nurture Black and Brown talent? I'm really curious. Also, like, when you think about first-generation Americans or second, or even maybe second or third-generation Americans, do you think that organizations need to uh, think differently or have like some, a, a specific perspective on how to engage talent that may not have eight or nine generations in America? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. Yes, I mean, you can't, if you are serious, if a company, and, I, and, I, and I've seen this happen at Pfizer, is serious about attracting um, minorities and, and, and people of color, you need to go where they are. Right. So just putting a job posting on Pfizer.com or on your website may not get you the diverse candidates you want, because some of the people don't know about it, don't have that opportunity. So you have to take that extra step to do that outreach. Um, So, you know, I've seen different ways that Pfizer has done this, working with different organizations, going to HBCUs and really trying to you know, retain talent that way and doing that extra outreach to get people. I've seen summer internships, you know, and I've seen more and more of that becoming more diverse in my years here um, at Pfizer. So you give, you know, people in college, college students, that opportunity to come work here for the summer and get their foot in and make those contacts so that when they do graduate, they already had, you know, a contact that, that foot in, which is sometimes what we all need, right, to be able to be successful with that. So, you know, my advice for, like, companies is you need to do that extra outreach. It's not the usual, let me, you know, post it here and and, and I'll get the right applicants. If you want that diverse um, pool of colleagues to, to, to apply, 
then you have to do that extra outreach to make sure it's actually getting out to that population. And then for you know people trying to get into this uh, industry, it's again like opening yourself. Get with the right. There are companies that are serious about you know engaging and, and getting people from uh, you know different you know races and and and, and uh, groups into the company. Really, you know, look into it and then do your homework and 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 do that outreach. It's not just about applying on a website. That's I think that's the main thing because you're one of a hundred, right? Like, how are you going to stand out? So, what is that next step you need to take? I figure that out, and that's how to get in. But again, it's also you have to do that work and that homework about who is really serious about. Getting getting you your foot in into that and into that company, you know. Thank you for your answer. You know, we talk a, a lot about mentorship. I say we, I mean like this collective. We mentorship is continues to be like just on like the tip of the tongue. It's interesting. Um, Pfizer recently facilitated a panel um, on uh, sickle cell disease, and they partnered with some HBCUs to have this conversation. And in that conversation, they actually talked about mentorship and sponsorship. Um, sponsorship, I don't believe is as nearly as heavily discussed as mentorship. You know, I would imagine in your, in your, in your decades long career that you have had moments where you experienced sponsorship. I'm curious if you have any of those moments to share. And my part B is, uh, what examples of sponsorship do you have that you provide to others? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I think. When I think about sponsorship and I think about my talent, I um, mean, my, my, my career here and, and ta- you know, development and talent development discussions I've had, I think, I don't know if it, I would call it sponsorship. I would think more about, you know, I always tell people the only constant that I've seen here is change. Like, we're always going through change at Pfizer. And I remember my first 11 years at Pfizer, I had 10 different managers and not because I was changing roles. It was just things were changing. And I have had some managers that were very supportive and really wanted to see me grow. And then there were some other managers that were just kind of more worried about themselves. So I will say I've had managers that really supported me in my growth journey. But what I always tell people is you have to own your development. Nobody can own your development. You need to know where, what you want to do. Nobody can tell you. And then you can have, you know, your your mentors or, or your managers help you get there and give you advice if they've had, you know, more experience in, in, in the industry or what else. But you have to know what you, what, what you want to do. But I think with that, I will say, I've had managers that have given me very good advice and, and kind of been like mentors that have allowed me to grow to different positions. But at the end of the day, it was up to me and myself working and making sure I could prove myself to do that, right? But getting that opportunity to do that is the first step. So if you don't get that opportunity, no matter how good you are, you can't prove yourself. Um, so that's what I would say. And I would say for mentees, I've had different mentees over the years, but over the years I've had some, and kind of like what I just told you, what I emphasize is your manager, myself cannot tell you how to get to that next level or where you need to go. You need to realize 
what is it, it is that you want to do next. You're doing something now. What is it that you want to do next? And sometimes you may not know. And that's okay. But then how can you get exposed? So how can you do not necessarily moving up the ladder, but it can be horizontal things. If you could be in, you know, part of a project that will really open up your eyes on different departments within the company, interacting with people that you don't usually interact with, then you maybe understand and, and learn about a new department or or a new unit within Pfizer you weren't even aware about that interests you. And then if you are interested, then we can have a discussion. Okay, what is it that we need to do to get you that more that that experience so that you could actually be a better candidate if a job opens up in that department? And like what is the experience you need to get there? So that's kind of like in my mentees that I've really put on. Because a lot of times there's frustration with people. Like, I'm not moving up more. I'm like, okay, so what do you want to do? They're like, I don't know. I just, you know, don't know yet. And it's like, okay, so it's really giving them advice how to navigate. Because Pfizer's a, a big place, right? So to navigate this and really realize what is it that you want. Because you have to be satisfied with the work you're doing. And, and really enjoy the day-to-day. Because we spend minimum 40 hours a week here, right? So uh, a big part of our life. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because you're right. Like, so there's a level of accountability and responsibility you have in your career. Like, no question. Yep. Um, you know, asking questions and kind of being creative and having the courage to uh, to set goals for yourself and then articulate those goals to those in positions of authority to help move things around for you to experience it. I think what you also said is is super true is like, it's about making sure also that you have the opportunity to actually step up. Right. Like, like I can't tell you how many times I've had in my career where like I was doing, I was like outperforming and then would see someone who was not performing in my, in the way I was, who still was given the opportunity to do X, whatever X may be, you know what I mean? And so the sponsorship piece I think is less about, you know, less about doing some someone doing the hard work of development for you and more about no. providing the stage for you yeah. to to excel to right um Absolutely. and i think it's easy for people like there's a level of nuance there that like to be sponsored to be effectively sponsored i believe a good sponsee is a strong performer right um yeah. now we've seen because of the way that the workplace is not fair the world is not fair so I've certainly seen folks get sponsored. I'm like, how how did you get this opportunity? But yeah. but agreed though that it's like it's it's about I'm just really passionate about seeing folks create people who have the who are in position of authority and power when you're there's someone out there who's clearly performing yeah. and they've articulated where they're trying to go, giving right. them that opportunity to actually go do that thing, you know? Absolutely. And and you know, you're not going to find it all the time, and you're not going to find it with your current manager potentially. But you have to, you know, you have to make that opportunity for yourself in a way. And when I say that is, maybe you can't get on that stage today, but you need to hang out and find the people that will support you. Like I said, my first ten years. I had, of my first 11 years, I had 10 managers. Some of them were just more worried about themselves, to be honest, than they were for themselves. And then there was others that were 
really supportive. And you, you have to find those and stick with those. Even if they move around, keep in touch with those people. Those are the people that will move you move you around and give you those opportunities so you can shine and get on that stage and have that opportunity. You know, br- broader, you know, talk, just in, talk, in terms of talking about healthcare, um, you know, despite diversity, equity, inclusion being under serious scrutiny by a bunch of different political forces, health equity doesn't seem to really be going away in the same way, right? Like we talk about health equity and health equity being like a point of discussion in terms of various population groups and access. It doesn't seem to have the same level of vitriol attack that the broader inclusion and equity conversations are happening. Do you agree with that? And if you do, why do you think that is? No, you're right. I think, I mean, they don't call out in, in you know, in these discussions really about health equity. I think when they talk about DNI, it's kind of everything else under that umbrella there kind of arguing for, I think for health equity, that's, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting because I worked in kind of corporate affairs for the last year. I did kind of a comment where we're really, really focused on health equity and, and I kind of led the health investments team. So really focusing on lower middle income countries and communities um, around the world. Um, and, we still have a big gap on that, right? So I don't think, you know, health equity, if you, in a, I mean, obviously it really impacts people of color because those are the neighborhoods. But I think when it comes to health and getting equitable access to good health, people don't touch it that much because fundamentally that's not going to be an easy in my opinion, it's not an easy thing to attack because it's about people's health and humans. You know, right. I think that's what it is versus if you're talking about money or, or you know, other stuff, it's easier to attack. So in my opinion, I think that's why everybody worries about their health. And I don't think they'll get as good of talking points attacking it. I think that's why they don't get into health equity too much. Yeah. no or attacking I- it. No, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because you're right. It's kind of like, well, dang, you about to sit back and attack somebody living? Like, they need to have access to live. You're going to sit like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm really curious, you know, from where you're sitting, um, you know, Pfizer, truly, I don't think it can be overstated how incredibly powerful and like the reach that Pfizer has as a brand, as an institution, um, as a as a point of support. What excites you most about the future of Pfizer um, and then the work that you're leading specifically at Pfizer? So, I mean, I think what excites me about Pfizer is, again, as a healthcare professional, the end result, our focus is on patients, right? And what we're trying to do is get, get breakthrough therapies. So, you know, get those breakthrough therapies that are going to help the most people. So, you know, those, you know, for me, my dream is like, you know, those cancers that are not cured, you know, kind of like Alzheimer's disease, those things that like diseases that people are dying from and suffering from, you know, working for a company that is really focusing on healing and saving patients. So for me as a healthcare professional, that is 
the end goal, right? The work I work with, you know, it's, you know, all these have to get approved and quality and make sure we're doing things right. So, you know, the work we do kind of supports all that. It's a big engine at Pfizer, right? So, like, we all have a piece of it. And, you know, the work my group does also build that engine to, to, to make sure it's successful and, and we can get you know, these products and, and medicines and vaccines out to patients. And, you know, we have very, very ambitious goals of Pfizer to, to, to you know, really to serve our patients. And it's exciting to try and, you know, meet those goals. Look, this has been a fire conversation. I mean, I feel like we could keep going, but I'm going to respect your time. Before I get out of here, any parting words or shout outs? You know, I, I would say, again, it's about patience. It's about saving patience and making people well. So, you know, keeping that in the back of the mind, that's what keeps me going working at a company like this, which has been really good um, for me and my career. Um, but the end result is as a healthcare professional, it, 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 it gets me to where I want to be in helping patients. Well, now, look, I know your name means feared by a thousand. I'm going to tell you, I felt the love in the conversation. <laughs> You're a friend Definitely. of the show. <laughs> and I want to make sure you come back anytime you want to. All right. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Peace. And we're back. Yo, thank you so much for listening to Living Corporate. You know where we at. We're everywhere you listen to podcasts. You know what I'm saying? We're literally everywhere you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Corporate, living-corporate, please say the dash.com or just Google Living Corporate. You know what I'm saying? At this point, SEO is pretty popping. You type in Living Corporate, we're going to pop up somewhere. Okay? Make sure you check us out. Links in the show notes. So you learn more about us. Learn what we're trying to do. Make sure you actually create a profile on living-corporate.com. Okay? Make a profile on there so you can actually stay in tune and up to date with what we got going on. You make a profile, you select content that you're really interested in, and then we'll push content to you from our library. So you can actually have a curated experience every time you go and log into Living Corporate. Ain't that dope? Okay. Think about that. We got over a thousand podcasts and and different digital media and content that we've made over the years. And it's going to be all pushed and curated for you, baby. For you, dog. For you. All right. Till next time. I love you. Take care of yourself. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.